Welcome to the leadership series on the sofa with Angie. I'm Angie Vo, the founder and CEO of Women in Tech Forum, and I'm joined here today by Nicola Cronin, who is the head of engagement at Guida. Nicola, it's an absolute pleasure to speak to you today. Thank you so much for joining us. Oh, likewise, Angie. Thank you for inviting me on. Very excited. Um, so Nicola, I'd love to hear about um, your journey into the tech industry. Yeah, sure. So for me, it was really through very early stage startups. Um, I didn't have a technical background, having done English literature at university. Um, but I found that people that had started tech, tech businesses really needed kind of a creative team member that could write and get things done in a fast paced environment. So I started my career in Birmingham, where I'm from, and Birmingham has a really, really strong tech community. And it was such an exciting place to begin my career. And I quite quickly began to grow my network and I learned so much in a short space of time um, about kind of the world of tech. And um, even though I wasn't in a technical role, it was really accelerated when I was introduced to someone who was looking to start the first ever free coding bootcamp in the city. Uh, and I came on board, just me and the CEO, Chris Mia, and we launched School of Code uh, Bootcamp, trying to attract different types of people into careers in software development. And for me, it was just a really exciting time. It was an incredible baptism of fire into the tech industry. And I think School of Code are now on their 15th cohort or something, having expanded all over the country. Um, and they had a real mission of diversifying the tech uh, industry and getting different types of people involved. So yeah, something that I'm incredibly proud of. And I think from that point, I'd firmly decided that I was a tech startup person and it's been my career ever since, working mainly in early stage SaaS businesses and kind of being part of that founding team. Uh, what an exciting start to your career in tech and also to really make a difference to the future of the industry as well by bringing people from different diverse backgrounds uh, and getting them interested in the world of tech. So congratulations. Um, what do you love most about your, your kind of job working for uh, a tech startup? Good question. I think for me, it's, it's the speed of how fast things change. Um, no kind of month looks the same. And as someone that enjoys that type of environment, print getting bored easily, it's always kept me on my toes and you're constantly learning. And I think the beauty of being in an early stage startup is you just learn by doing. So there's no kind of playbook for how to do things. And you find yourself having opportunities and responsibility so much earlier in your career than when you work at a larger firm and there's more kind of rules and regulations that say. Um, so yeah, I think that's always attracted me to it. And it's why I've never wanted to seek a role at a larger company. Absolutely. And the, the tech world and particularly startups are constantly evolving at a rapid pace. Um, but it still remains very much male dominated. Um, what are some of the challenges that you've experienced in your career as a, a woman in a male dominated environment? I think the obvious one is just being outnumbered, as you said. So we both know the tech industry's gender balance has always been heavily swayed on the male side. And naturally in startups, you're working with much smaller population ratios. So there have been many occasions where I've been the only woman in a room or the only woman on a on a virtual meeting. Um, I think if this stat is still up to date, I think I read it last year, only 4% of UK tech startup founders are women. Um, so obviously when you're joining a startup at a very early stage, I've always been working with and for men. 
um still to this day in my career I've never been managed by a woman um which is is quite mad <laughs> but luckily luckily Guida has a really strong gender balance for a tech startup of our size um and I'm surrounded by incredibly talented women in my team and across the business um but I think feeling outnumbered can feel like a barrier you can feel like you have to work harder to be recognized um women can often offer really different and valuable perspectives to a conversation or a problem but when you're the only woman there you can doubt yourself naturally and you feel like you don't necessarily have the like-minded female opinions around you um, and I've certainly seen the positive difference that having diverse groups sharing their opinions can have on meetings and discussions so we just need more of that really and particularly more voices from other underrepresented groups in the tech industry because it's not just women women of color even more underrepresented as well as those from the lgbtq plus community so yeah i think just that feeling of being the only one or not having voices that agree with you or think like you um but yeah and as i've progressed in my career that has moved positively forward um so absolutely and it continues to be a, a challenge um, but hopefully when we see more boot camps encouraging more women and diverse groups coming into the tech industry, that over time that will change. Uh, I think a, a statistic, if we evolve, if we continue to evolve at the current pace of change, it will take a further 100 years before there's um, equal gender representation in the tech industry, which is quite uh, alarming. Wow. <laughs> um so as a, a woman uh, in very much a male dominated environment, you've often been told um, not to be too assertive, uh, you know, not to necessarily put your opinions forward. How has that affected you personally and how has that shaped you as a leader? Yeah, I, I have received that feedback um, or advice more than once in my career. I think when I was younger, I took it to mean that I had to change and adapt myself in order to be taken seriously that I had to you know be more assertive or, or act more like a man um, and the difficulty I found is that I didn't think that some of the assertive men I'd worked with had a good style of leadership I, I found them maybe like rude or inconsiderate and I also felt like it was a huge thing to change about myself I'm kind of non-confrontational I'm generally prone to people pleasing like in all areas of my life so it wasn't a quick fix to kind of mold into this leader or like what I thought should be a leader overnight so it's quite hard I think quite hard feedback to get or advice to get however the older I got and with the help of like amazing mentors and friends and you just reading more books and listening to feminist podcasts about leadership I feel like I learned that it wasn't up to me to change myself to fit in with the men but it was down to businesses and I guess society on a wider scale to adapt to recognize and appreciate the different styles of leadership, um, whether that be female leaders, introverted leaders, neurodiverse leaders, like anything that doesn't fit, you, I guess, your typical stereotypes of a male leader, or like big male egos, which are very prevalent in the tech industry. Um, and I really remember having that realization. I think I even wrote kind of a note on my phone um, and I found the confidence to be myself and trust that I knew what I was doing rather than trying to conform to something that felt really unnatural to me. Um, and I hope that it's working <laughs> absolutely and and you know you've heard the phrase it's exhausting trying to be somebody that you're not um and you know styles of leadership have evolved quite dramatically and certainly in a post-covid environment because 
you know, historically the, the sort of command and control style of leadership um, was one of the, the sort of primary forms of leadership um, in some companies. Um, but now it's recognized that leaders need to have more empathy, that, you know, you can still be effective and drive results without this sort of command and control style of leadership. How have the experiences that you've had during your career um, helped shape you as a leader? And how would you describe your leadership style? Yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head there, talking about empathy. Um, and I would say that my leadership style is very empathetic. I'm very people first, like I can't help it. It's, it's kind of just how I, um, not just in, in my kind of a work environment, but throughout my life. And I guess I try to, inspire respect rather than demand it and I think everyone has examples of great natural leaders that they've known in their lives um, and for me the best ones are the ones I've always admired the most were the ones who endeared themselves to people um, and I think it was it's the same with like teachers at school so they were like the really strict teachers who would always command respect but it was because people were scared of them then there were the teachers who kind of lacked authority or inspiration and the kids tended to run the show and then there were the really great teachers um, who seemed like they understood you. They came across as genuine people rather than kind of distinct authority uh, figures. But then the moment they asked the room to be quiet, everyone would fall silent because they respected them. And I think, you know, that was an uh, example from school. But for me, that really carried through well beyond school from sports teams I was in or committees or clubs, then through to kind of work. So, yeah, I've, I've always admired people who don't conform to your stereotypical leader. And I've still got a long way to go in my career, but I think that's always what I'll try and hold on to or replicate. Amazing. And who do you admire as a leader? Ooh, great question. Um, I think I've got lots of examples from kind of my personal life, people I know well. I think there's people I listen to on, on podcasts and things that I love. I love listening to like Stephen Bartlett, I the CEO. I think the way he gets answers from people um, through questioning is amazing, really like listening and understanding people. Um, Elizabeth Day is another one I listen to and resonates so well with a lot of challenges she's had in terms of people pleasing, trying to fit molds and be a certain way and actually going through that realization of trusting, having trust in yourself, having confidence in yourself. So yeah, I get a lot of, I feel, leadership advice through, through things like that. Excellent. Uh, so on the subject of advice, what advice would you give to other people um, who are considering a career in the tech industry? I think don't overthink stuff too much, because as I said at the beginning, it really changes every day. Um, I think when I started my career, I was prone to perfectionism and making sure things were, you know, absolutely done to the best of their ability. But you quickly learn that mistakes should be made. And that's how we learn. Um, and by the next day, things have already moved on. So I guess, yeah, what I wish I'd known and what advice I'd give is just try things, test things, make mistakes, and you'll be constantly learning and you'll learn at such a faster rate. And that's how fast the tech industry does move. And I think fast-paced environments aren't necessarily for everyone. And I think the term fast-paced is actually quite like masculine language that can be off-putting for some people. But um, I think it can also be liberating. Because once you accept that things move fast, it's like, oh, well, I can... I can learn and move on and it, it, I don't have to dwell on on mistakes that I've made and that's when innovation really happens um and then I think something that follows on from that is just backing yourself as I think I've said like imposter syndrome can be 
rife in tech startups, particularly for women, because you're doing things you've never done before because there's only a few people in the company and you quickly gain more responsibility and ownership and, and you rise kind of in the ranks faster than you normally would into management. Uh, and you can look back after six months and think, God, am I really qualified to be doing all of this? So, you know, and the answer is yes, because you've, you've already been doing it. Like, and I remember having to go and pitch my startup in a pitching competition because the CEO was busy and there was only two of us. And I think I was 22 or 23 years old and I turned up and I was the only woman pitching because it was a bunch of tech startup founders uh, and I was the youngest by a long way. And I, I just kind of looked around and thought, what the hell am I doing? <laughs> like, how has, you know, how has this happened? But you need to remember that you can do it. And I actually won that competition that day. And it was such a moment for me that helped me have that kind of back yourself um, and being more confident in your abilities. Um, and then finally, mentioned this earlier about kind of diversifying the tech industry. I think if you're concerned about the lack of diversity in tech, but you really want to work in it, you can only change it from the inside. Like you can play a pivotal role in hiring great people, shaping decisions, shaping the, the culture of the company. Um, so that's another thing that I'd, I'd say to anyone, just if it's your passion, do it. And um, we're, on, we're on track to really make the tech environment more diverse and a great place to work. I love that. So back yourself and take opportunities and, you know, don't worry about imposter syndrome. Just go for it. Yeah, don't overthink um, it. Don't overthink <laughs> it. Um, and also you can drive change from within as well. And I love that. So if you are worried about issues of diversity, I think we can all take personal responsibility for driving that change. Um, Nicola, it's been an absolute pleasure speaking to you today. Thank you so much for joining us. Oh, no, it's been great. Thank you, Angie.